0: Money FM 89.3, best of the evening runway. Under the radar. You're listening to Mania FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Now, it's already Friday, and what better way to end the afternoon than a good cup of coffee or kopi? Now, speaking of coffee, you might have seen a number of new coffee chains sprouting in sunny Singapore, including several chains who have made their names in other parts of the world, such as Indonesia and China. And we're going to speak to one such entrant today. Now, founded in 2017, Kanangan Coffee is a non-French. Franchise tech enabled coffee chain, where it focuses on serving coffee priced between the higher priced international brands versus the cheaper alternative sold by street vendors. Now, fast forward to today, the firm is also one of the fastest growing grab and go coffee chains in Indonesia, with around 800 stores across over 60 cities in the country. For one thing, the Sequoia Capital-backed startup serves up 30 million cups of coffee in the year of 2020 alone. It also became the first FMB unicorn in Southeast Asia in December 2021, following a 96 million US dollar CVC round to help it expand internationally. Now, true enough, the firm entered into Malaysia and thereafter to Singapore last September. But how will the firm's positioning strategy in Singapore differ? from from that in Indonesia, given the difference in cost structures? And also, how does the firm assess the Singapore market as well as the recent exits of players such as Flesh Coffee? For more, I've got with me in studio James Pranando, co founder and co CEO of Kanangan Coffee, and he flew specially into Singapore from Indonesia for this interview. So, James, a big welcome.
1: Hi, thank you for having me today.
0: Great to have you, and a Happy New Year as well.
1: Happy New Year too.
0: And James, we've briefly talked about Kanangan Coffee as a non-franchise tech-enabled coffee chain hailing from Indonesia. But let's hear from you, how would you define value proposition, your business model, and why does Kanangan Coffee not operate on the franchise model?
1: So I think when we first started Indonesia, uh, we were we actually disrupted the business model. Uh, so in Indonesia at 2017, if we look at the coffee shops, that the big coffee shop that's around, usually you kind of see like this uh, big store format, uh, global, uh, Western brand, yeah. 100, 200 meters, uh, square space. Um, so where we came in, we changed the business model into a grab and go. So our first store was only 10 square meters. Mm. Uh, so in terms of capex, it's just uh, much smaller. Opex is just much smaller. And of course, uh, in terms of scaling to create like 10 to 100 stores, it was just so much easier. Mm. So at, at first, I think we we actually uh, disrupted the uh, income and business model. Yeah. And then in terms of non-franchising, um, since the beginning, we, we kind of have a, a big dream, even though at first we were a mom and pop shop. Mm. Uh, we always have a dream to make uh, a coffee uh, to have a lot of chains. Uh, mm. So that's why we decided not to do franchising because that way we can actually maintain not only the product quality, but then also the service quality.
0: Right. And talk about product quality and also pricing. I do want to touch a little bit about your positioning strategy. Uh, we mentioned earlier that uh, where pricing is concerned, Kenangan coffee is priced in between what the Western you know, international big brands price versus what the street vendors price. But how do you then uh, balance your pricing versus quality then?
1: I think it's finding a balance of uh, the store's format, right, mm-hmm. and store locations. I mean, the way we see it is uh, a pure 100% grab and go. We mm-hmm. probably need a location that's uh, that's prime mm-hmm. uh, just because uh, we need the food traffic to, to have the sales. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, uh, again, uh, because we can also take subprime locations, yeah. it's just a, a combination of uh, maybe not having the store as small as possible, but then having a bit of seating. So it compensates with just the grab-and-go with some uh, of the dine-in uh, customers.
0: Mm. And don't mind me following up. You talk about location and, uh, well, prime location is one thing, but you mentioned that delivery is big in Indonesia too. So how do you choose where to set up your stores with all these different factors in play? Uh,
1: actually, uh, since we are also tech-enabled uh, brand uh, company, uh, so we actually have our own proprietary technology, where we have um, we have a scoring system in terms of picking locations. Especially given that we have almost uh, close to nine hundred stores in Indonesia, yeah. so we have all these datas where we take into account of scoring. So every new locations will come up with a score, uh, and then just based on that we can we can predict uh, what is the. Uh, revenue uh, and cost structure of that particular stores.
0: Right. And I do want to get this question out of the way first, uh, which is the topic of expansion, James, particularly after Kenangan Coffee achieved its unicorn status in December 2021. I believe the firm has around 800 stores across 60 cities in Indonesia, but has since moved to Malaysia in 2022, Singapore just last year. So what is the current scale of the business right now? How many markets are you in?
1: Uh, currently, we are in three markets. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, Indonesia, uh, Malaysia, we won in 2021. And then uh, Singapore uh, just last year, 2023. Uh, but then uh, again, uh, we always have a big dream. So we want to expand to more countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so currently, we are look, uh, looking at potentially one or two more countries, In uh, one in Southeast Asia, uh, one is still in Asia. Uh, so, currently, we are looking at two more countries probably in 2024 and 2025.
0: Can I make a guess? Is Thailand on your list?
1: <laughs> it's on my <laughs> list, but then not the first one.
0: Okay, yeah. okay. Um, but where the financials are concerned, if I may try my luck here, uh, James, how much revenue or profit in terms of percentage does Indonesia generate at this point? And Will you expect that number to stay that way going forward as you expand into other markets?
1: Uh, again, cannot disclose numbers. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yes. But then uh, for now, Indonesia still the big bulk of it. Because mm. again, uh, with Malaysia, I think Indonesia, we almost mm. have uh, 900 stores. Uh, Malaysia, we have about 25 stores. And Singapore, we only have uh, four stores as of now. So again, Indonesia is still the big bulk of it. Uh, but then honestly, uh, one of the reasons why we want to expand internationally, because we see that... Um, these uh, international countries can actually bring a lot of uh, pie to actually our our business. Mm. Uh, so probably in the next three to five years, we will be looking at Indonesia shrinking, but not just be in terms of percentage. Yeah. Uh, not just be, uh, not because the business is yeah. going down. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because the business is becoming bigger, right? right? On the contrary, um, so let's talk about the opportunities you see in the coffee industry within Malaysia and Singapore. What opportunities do you see there, and uh, what is your grand plan for the two markets?
1: So, actually, with Malaysia, uh, one of the reasons that we entered the, uh, Malaysia because, one, we feel it's a bit similar to Indonesia yeah. uh, in terms of the people and the trace profile. Uh, and then it is uh, very, very well accepted. That's why in, in a span of one year, we actually expanded our stores to 25 uh, mm-hmm. just from one. Uh, again, I think Malaysia, uh, in terms of competition and then the acceptability of uh, pricing, it's, it's good for us. Mm-hmm. So, we are looking to expand more in Malaysia. Mm. Uh, and with Singapore, uh, I think one of the big reasons why we went to Singapore is because, uh, again, we have a global um Aspiration. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: that's why we want to have uh, Kenangan coffee more in just Singapore, Malaysia. We want it to be in Southeast Asia, even mm-hmm. uh, go beyond that.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I think the way we see Singapore is actually a gateway for us to do um, a global franchising. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, we don't do franchise, mm-hmm. uh, but then we understand for in order for us to actually expand at a much rapid rate internationally, mm-hmm. we actually need to do a global franchising program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because uh, Singapore... The, the first three, uh, four months in Singapore has been a success for us. Mm. Uh, it makes us more confident to actually do global franchising.
0: Mm. So right now it's not franchised, but you are thinking of maybe at least going out having master franchisees uh, at some point in time.
1: Uh, we do think of having a master franchisee, but then uh, four specific countries.
0: Right. Okay. And I want to talk specifically about the operating environment within Singapore. There has been much talk about consolidation within uh, the coffee industry here Singapore, of course, at the centre of that, but also in other parts of Asia. If we look at flash coffee... It declared bankruptcy in Taiwan its Thailand unit was bought up Singapore business was wound up Spinelli Coffee as well uh, shut all six remaining outlets in Singapore last year and if we look further away at Bubble Tea which is priced at a similar range as Kopi Kenangan um, Taiwanese Bubble Tea chain I believe Milksha also at Singapore. Singapore at the core of the issue is increased competition and high cost of operations uh, what is your take is the consolidation an opportunity for you to expand market share uh,
1: I cannot really say about those two companies but then I don't think it's an industry issue because mm-hmm. otherwise all coffee company yeah. would have sh- uh, shut down. Uh, but the way I see it is uh, Indonesia and Singapore is actually quite uh, new in terms of uh, retail or roast coffee. Mm. Uh, I think in terms of consumption, it's probably like 10 to 20 percent, uh, whereas 80 percent is probably still your like uh, RTD or mm-hmm. uh, instant coffee. Yeah. Uh, and then the if we see the trend, for example, like Japan, uh, where the coffee scene is much more uh, developed, that Uh, Numbers actually switch. Like, probably about 70, 80% is roast Mm -hmm. coffee, and then like uh, 20 to 30% is actually Mm -hmm. instant coffee. Yeah. So, definitely the roast coffee scene is growing. so there's still opportunity in that. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why a lot of uh, coffee players are coming up, it's not because taking each other's pie, it's actually mm-hmm. making the pie uh, bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, uh, other than that, uh, we also have a unique product. Mm-hmm. So when we come into a market, we're not selling your, um, just your Americano, your latte. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our special uh, hero mm-hmm. product, which is our Kenangan Latte, which yeah. uses our special
0: yep.
1: uh, black Aren, uh sugar mm-hmm. and also our uh, secret uh, mm-hmm. creamer.
0: And allow me to just zoom in a little on the Singapore operating environment. In particular, I want to talk about costing. Right, uh, there are by and large two types of coffee chains here. One are the Grab & Go brands. They serve coffee at a much cheaper price, particularly because they don't offer sitting area because rents just take up a bulk of that cost structure. Uh, The other type of chains are like those, uh, your Starbucks, which offers space for people to sit for hours on end. So in essence, they not only sell coffee, but they sell space, which justifies that kind of pricing. So for a company or a brand like Kenangan Coffee, which competes on price, uh, which is uh, somewhere in the middle middle ground. Can you offer a price that's low enough to justify a lack of seating? Or if you can't justify, so are you providing seating then? Uh,
1: I think it's, again, uh, it's a combination. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have to say it's uh, case by case. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's why I think with a location that's very small, uh, we have to make sure that the food traffic is big that's why the grab and go model will will work Mm. but then where the location is a bit subprime where it's uh, quite crowded but not that crowded it has to be a combination uh, of seatings right Uh, it cannot be just uh, purely uh, grab and go because I agree Mm. with you otherwise it wouldn't work Uh, Mm. then the store format has to be slightly bigger Mm. where there's a combination of the grab and go and dine-in
0: but don't mind me asking this right Uh, just uh, thinking from a layman point of view um, the whole point about how the coffee can be slightly cheaper is because it is in somewhere that is perhaps subprime or it is uh, offering no seating. That's why you save on the rent and the savings can be then passed on to the customers. But when you enter into the Singapore market and the cost doesn't allow you to price uh, uh, cheaply and as a result, you have to offer seating, you have to be in a, somewhere with higher food uh Food uh, traffic, it then drives up your costs again. So it becomes like a chicken and egg issue. How do you get around that?
1: Uh, but when we actually say seating, uh, mm. I think the the, sp- the space required is still smaller than uh-huh. uh, than the big guys. Yeah. So in terms of. Uh, The capex that we have to spend and then Mm. the opex that we have to spend is actually still uh, lower.
0: That being said, on the whole, when you look at the Singapore market and the likes of perhaps more mature economies when you enter them, uh, how would you position Kenangan Coffee? Is it still the same as the way you position it in Indonesia? Uh,
1: Again, it has to be uh, slightly different. Uh, I think you mentioned it in the beginning. Mm. Uh, I mean, Indonesia, I think the grab-and-go concept actually works more uh, because delivery in Indonesia is just much cheaper. Uh, That's why I think we're having kind of like your um, cloud kitchen, uh, cloud store format. It actually works in Indonesia. But in in Singapore, it's just a different dynamics, right? Mm. Uh, I think delivery for food delivery is actually a bit more expensive. Uh, That's why we have to adapt where we cannot rely on stores that fully uh, do cloud uh, stores.
0: Earlier on, we were talking about some players who have exited. How do you think you do things differently from what the other players who have exited have done? And uh, how would you do things differently from what you did in Indonesia as well?
1: Actually, uh, probably we see in 2017 where me and Ed, we started Kenangan Coffee. Um, Honestly, we never... Think about um, VC investment because yeah. we truly uh, was thinking of making a coffee company uh, that's uh, providing quality coffee uh, at good pricing. It's just along the way we we got lucky and then we, we have uh, VC funding. But then at the core of the company is actually product, which is our uh, coffee, milk and mm. uh, black Black Aren, which is uh, Mm. actually very unique to us. Mm. Uh, So that is actually why uh, and how we can actually compete uh, when coming into this market because Mm -hmm. we are actually offering something that's different, right? Mm. Uh, Our Kenangan Latte is not something that you can find in uh, in any other stores. I mean, even our Black Aren, we actually still uh, source it Directly from Indonesian mm. farmers, and then we process it ourselves with our own secret recipe. Mm. That is not something that uh, can re- uh, be replicated by our competitors. Mm. And then uh, what I always say is, when I mention to you Thai tea, you probably mm. know what Thai tea is. Mm. Uh, and then the way I see Kenanganate is actually an Indonesian style coffee. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I think with a brand it is very important for you to when to enter the market. You have to uh, something unique to say, mm. uh, something you need to offer. Mm. And honestly, I think that's. How, how we can actually differ with uh, our competitors.
0: Pardon me for asking this. I'm trying my luck here since I've got you all the way from Indonesia coming to Singapore. Um, Lucky Coffee seems to be coming hot and strong Used to operate on a cloud kitchen model and all that uh, Similar positioning as well And coming into Singapore, they started to offer some CT, Which is quite similar to Kopi Kenangan And they started to offer drinks like, you know, your coconut latte and all that Which tastes also different from what the Western brands Or the traditional cafes uh, provide How concerned are you about that competition from the big guy?
1: Uh, We're not really concerned. uh, Because, again, I think with our products, uh, it is proven that it is uh, very well accepted. I mean, Mm -hmm. for example, Indonesia, uh, when we first launched, it was probably like 80, about 80, 90% of Mm -hmm. our sales. Wow. Uh, Even today, it's like 50%. Mm -hmm. uh, And that's huge considering that we have almost close to 900 stores already Mm -hmm. uh, across Indonesia. And then if we see uh, the trend in actually Malaysia and Singapore, our hero product is actually probably about 40%. So mm. it is still very uh, widely accept, uh, accepted by the customers.
0: Mm. Truth be told, I'm a fan of your Kenangan Latte. Thank you very much. And uh, you know, we talked about VC and we talked about tri Capital, uh, your Sequoia backed as well. No doubt that Kanangan Coffee is on a rapid expansion mode. So two questions. What is the growth trajectory we are looking at in terms of KGO in terms of valuation? And the second part of the question is any future funding plans, uh, not just only looking at the VC side of things, but also maybe tapping the public market's IPO?
1: So again, (laughs) unfortunately, I don't think we can disclose uh, uh, numbers. Mm. Uh, But then what I can tell you is uh, one of the reasons that we are gearing up for international expansions is because uh, we also want to IPO. Mm. Uh, Right now, we already do our prep work for IPO internally in terms of compliance. Uh, But then in terms of funding, um, we are a profitable company Mm. if we don't expand. Uh, so our runway is still uh, several years. Mm. Um, so we don't have I- any issue on funding. Mm. Uh, in terms of our, our IPO, probably we're looking for uh, in the next uh, three years, Next three, three to three five years. years.
0: Three to five years. Can I assume that it's an IPO in Singapore or are you looking at IPO in elsewhere? Uh,
1: honestly, uh, to be honest, we are very liquid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it could be Singapore, it could be Indonesia, it could be the mm. US. I think it really depends on uh, where we are uh, at that time. Mm. Uh, so, uh, we internally, we actually haven't really decided yet.
0: Right. And before we let you go, James, uh, what are some future plans for Kenangan Coffee for 2024 uh, globally? And also, what can we look forward to here in Singapore? Uh,
1: I think the uh, if we look back the last... Uh, since 2017 until probably after COVID, like 2021, it was just Indonesian expansion. Mm. Uh, but then uh, 2022 up until today, and I think going through 2024, 2025, it will be international expansion. Uh, I think that's that's kind of like the main theme for us is trying to open uh, one or two countries mm-hmm. per year Uh, I think with Singapore, uh, we are very blessed to be able to open in Singapore because it shows that the brand actually works in the international scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just being in Singapore, it opens up a lot of opportunities, uh, especially as mentioned. I think one of the uh, another key thing for us is actually global uh, Mm -hmm. franchising. Mm -hmm. So in Singapore, it actually opens a lot of doors for us to actually do that global expansion uh, and franchising.
0: Right, lots of exciting plans and certainly keeping our eyes peeled for that upcoming IPO in the coming years. Now, uh, thanks a lot, James. That was James Pranando, co founder and co CEO of Kanangan Coffee. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.